are listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. I'm joined by our usual cast of characters tonight, uh, plus... Plus one. We have a special guest on tonight, uh, the author of the uh, Off to Be the Wizard series, a.k.a. the Magic 2.0 series, Mr. Scott Meyer. How are you doing, sir? I am well. I am well. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we are so happy to have you, sir. Um, we, I, we've told this story on, on uh, I, I think, on the previous show, but for anyone who doesn't know the story, uh, we've been reading. We've we've read the uh, five books that are out thus far in the Magic 2.0 series, and we've done reviews on them. Which I got to thinking about today. We've actually only reviewed 20 books on this show thus far, which means a quarter of our books have been yours. Uh, if wow. that should give you an idea as to how you know our feel our general feelings on them. Um, but uh, I don't remember. Someone came up with the idea. It may have been Jennifer came up with the idea that we should dress as some of the characters for Geek Fest, which is a local. Uh, convention that we have here and we thought it was a great idea and we worked on it and we ended up dressing up i was philip and uh, jennifer was gwen and uh laney was brett and we posted it and made sure we tagged you know uh, mr meyer in it and uh he got back to us we're like hey would you like to be on do an interview and he graciously said yes and we we are so happy to have you sir (laughs) I've been waiting for someone to cosplay as my characters (laughs) since i wrote the first book i back when i had yeah, back when See, I had a webcomic, I had someone cosplay as one of the characters from the webcomic to a Halloween party, but it's not quite the same thing. So I was hoping we'd be the first, so. As far as I know, you are, in fact, the first. I, I checked a couple of the different, uh, I, I think, your your Facebook page and then the, the Magic page, and I saw someone that said that they had put a, they were doing a magic staff and they did put a ball of, of hot sauce on the top of it. But that was, that was the extent of it. And I was like, Oh no, we can get that. We can beat that. So, (laughs) but well uh, well done. And thank you for doing that. uh, It was a big shot in the arm. Believe me. I, we loved it. I, you know, we had a ton of fun doing it. So, um, we do have some prepared questions, but literally we, we, when, when we kind of lose, you know, and I've told everyone if there's any questions that pop up, uh, and if you've got any additional stories, of course, we'd love to hear them. But, uh, I guess to start off, uh, how did you get started writing? Uh, well, I, uh, I, I guess it goes back to, uh, when I first came out of high school and college, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. So I, uh, so I was writing my own material doing that. That got me. That taught me a lot about how to write humor. And then when it became clear that stand-up comedy wasn't really the lifestyle for me, uh, I transitioned into doing a web comic, which kind of taught me how to write on a schedule and actually deliver in a professional, you know, predictable manner. And then the web comic got me enough of a following that I was uh, able to self-publish my first book, "Off to Be the Wizard." Thankfully, it was successful, and that got me uh, got me writing novels. So you self published uh, off to be the wizard at first. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I uh, I self published. I like I said, I had the web comic, and I was lucky enough to have a few thousand people on a, a mailing list because of that. And I realized I was reading this article about the revolution in self publishing that happened about seven years ago, and how. It used to be the hard part was getting the book actually printed into a book and available for sale. 
But now that was actually the easiest part and the hard part was marketing it. And I thought, you know, I've always wanted to write a novel and I've got this emailing list of 5,000 people that I can uh, I can market it to just by sending out an email. I'd be a, a mm -hmm. fool not to at least try it. And the rest is history so far. <laughs> Very cool. That's awesome. That is awesome. I'm I'm a very lucky man. So uh, did you start locally and then expand, you know, or was it like a national release? How does that work? Uh, well, I used primarily the self-publishing tools that Amazon has uh, has uh, created. So, uh, I mean, the book, these days you can, if you get the book written and get it professionally edited, the biggest mistake I made was not getting the first edition professionally edited. I cringe when I look at the first edition of Office. <laughs> it is horrendous. But it literally, it takes a team of experts to make me look like I took English in high school. <laughs> but, uh, but, I must find well, this book. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, we need to find it. Worth some money. <laughs> it can be done. Um, but anyway, uh, once you have the actual finished manuscript, it can, you know, it can be as easy as a couple of days later. It can be for sale on Amazon right next to Catch-22 and The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Just as easy to find as either of those. Wow. It's then just the hard part is getting people to know that there's a book there they should go try to find. Hmm. Very interesting. That's cool. Uh, who, who wanted to take number question number two? Oh, that was me. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what do you use for inspiration? Do you use prompts? Is it just something that pops in your head when you're walking down the street? Is it bolt up in the middle of the night and you start having to scribble stuff down? What's All of the above. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's, I'm, I'm constantly trying to think of, uh, well, to say I'm constantly trying sounds like I just sit there making fists and, you know, staring <laughs> into the distance. Must come up with idea. Yeah. <laughs> Which there are days that are like that. But but for the most part, it's just anything that strikes me uh, funny or interesting over the course of the day, I write down. And then, you know, slowly that begins to accrue, hopefully, into uh, the idea for a story or a set of characters that I can make a story around. And it just slowly builds up like a giant snowball of ideas. So then do you use, um, do you outline it all or is it just off the top of your, like, because I know an author, he makes like 64 pages of bullet points before yeah. he goes and writes it out. I, I outline. I outline. I actually, uh, okay. way back when I was doing stand-up, I tried twice to write a novel just by the seat of my pants. Mm -hmm. Wrote myself into a corner almost immediately on both cases. Uh, <laughs> Off to be the Wizard is the first time I ever tried outlining, and I, it, it resulted in a, a finished book. So... I've I've started I started outlining then and I've never looked back. Cool. But it's a matter of what works for you. There are yeah. there are people who the outline kills it for them and they need to work off the off the top of their head. So, so did you always have this idea for this story or did it just come to you one day doing something? I had there is an actual you you seem like the kind of people who probably already knew this. There is an actual legitimate scientific theory that we might be living in some sort of a, a computer program. Uh, <laughs> a few people have touched on that one, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, and and it's always tempting to say a simulation, but that assumes that we're simulating something, then that's a whole thing. But anyway, I had heard this theory, and I liked it immediately. Uh, and I always thought about, if that's true, 
then we literally are nothing but a set of, of variables. You know, the thing that I call Scott Meyer is actually just a set of numbers somewhere in a spreadsheet. And that led me to the thought of what if I could find that spreadsheet? And I spent an inordinate amount of time fantasizing about what kind of <laughs> things you could do if you could get in there and change those variables. And uh, then one day I thought, well, why hasn't anyone uh, written a, a book about this? <laughs> and that's about the time that I realized that there was an opportunity to create and publish my own book. And also, unrelated, I had sometimes I'll get an idea just for a set of scenes that I thought would be funny. The two things that started off to be the wizard were that idea I just described and the idea of someone who has the ability to travel through time uh, jumping back and forth to the same place repeatedly, grabbing different items that they need and looking completely insane to the people around them. <laughs> so the whole scene with uh, Martin when he keeps basically yep. going back home and runs out and is asking his parents, what year is it? Where, is London still called London? Where's my where's my Malfoy robe? And exactly. Exactly. I need I need saran wrap. Where's the saran wrap? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, literally, if it weren't for coming up with that scene and the theory that we're in a simulation, the book would have never happened. See, I just called it a simulation myself. But <laughs> it's easy to do. But yeah, so, that's a that's the answer, yeah. Right on. That that leads perfectly into mine. So where did you find the file? And uh obviously <laughs> this is an audio bi bi autobiography and uh which character are you? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um to begin with, uh Martin is kind of me when I'm not thinking things through. Uh <laughs> but really as time has gone on, I am Philip is more and more me. Uh, I don't own a Fiero yet. Uh, my wife has made it clear that she is not in favor of me owning a Fiero. But the, <laughs> but the Phil Collins fixation, the my favorite arcade game when I was a kid being Gorf, of all things. Uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, left to my own devices, my, uh, my house would probably look like the set of Miami Vice done on a budget. <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but there it is. <laughs> So if if everybody's okay, listen, I got to ask why the Fiero? Why, what uh, what drew you to that one? Have you a Fiero is cool? Have you seen? Well, I as of now, no. But <laughs> when I was twelve, a Fiero was the coolest thing I had ever seen. It's the only mid-engine sports car in, in the Yakima Valley of Washington State that had ever been. <laughs> I mean, there was there was one guy who owned a uh, DeLorean, but it's hardly the same thing. The yep. Fiero had 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 like headphone speakers embedded in the headrest, which when I was 12 was the coolest thing any car could ever. <laughs> I had a dinky car of it. Right? Like I had one of the uh, hot wheels uh, of the Fiero. And I remember loving that car. It was awesome. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I did later actually know someone fairly well who owned a Fiero. And by then I was <laughs> driving a 1962 Ford Fairlane and literally the hood of my car was nearly as long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But it was. It, it was an American-made, mid-engine, Italian-designed sports car in the 1980s. On paper, it should be the most amazing car ever made. In Absolutely. practice, it was a cracker <laughs> box. But, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> uh, uh, Chris, did you have another question? No. Yes, I <laughs> I've exhausted I her curiosity. Right. <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so 
She's heard enough out of me at this yeah. point. <laughs> See you later. Checked out. Checked out. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's easy to gather uh, sort of inspiration from the people around you. Do you people watch? Are there the characters based on anybody from real life? Other than the two. That you other than to, the, yeah. other than Phil and Mark. Really, all of the characters are to some extent me. I mean, I, I when, when I'm trying to figure out what a character would do in this situation, what a character would say in this situation, it's all various versions of what I think I might do if I were in that situation. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, especially that first book, especially after be the wizard, that core of, uh, characters, uh, I can, I can point to people in my life and say, this person is very similar to this. This person is, very, <laughs> I mean, Gwen Martin's, you know, Martin's romantic interest mm -hmm. is, is more competent than him in virtually every way. People who know my wife and I do not find that. <laughs> a far-fetched uh, description of our relationship. <laughs> so there's a, uh, there's a Gary in your life somewhere or yeah. a Gary analog or uh... oh, very much. So actually he has drifted from that, but I, a, a very good friend of mine from my stand-up comedy days was a, uh, a, a relatively charismatic, but also kind of flaky, tall, thin kiss obsessed guy. <laughs> <laughs> who, uh, and and it gets you know exaggerated and changed and now you yeah. know it, the real person does not have a, a fake leg that looks like a skeleton but <laughs> oh, okay cool, that would does he, but he would he does would he have an unhealthy <laughs> obsession with pranks like <laughs> he was <laughs> not not to the extent that gary does but he was uh he was i used to refer to him as a crap giver he was uh he was always happy to give you a ration of crap for uh, <laughs> if that was what you needed that day. So uh, have any has anyone like any, anyone, you know, read your books and come up to you and been like, is, is that is that me? Is is that person me? Or... Yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's a combination of I've uh, I've uh, managed to uh, camouflage it well enough that they didn't notice. And most of the people I know, frankly, have not read my books. So, ah, there's the key there. Well, if it if it makes you feel any better, um, most of the people I know have not listened to my shows, so <laughs> I understand. That is uh, somewhere around the time my fifth book was published. Uh, my mom, my fa whole family came to visit. I used to live in Orlando and work at Walt Disney World. And for some reason, when I had free access to Walt Disney World, my relatives came to visit on a regular basis. <laughs> and, uh, yes, now that I'm in Arizona, I don't see them as much. For <laughs> huh. They don't like the dry heat? <laughs> I guess not. Yeah, they were humidity enthusiasts. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, during one of these trips, uh, my mom actually... Uh, it started very nice. She says, you know, we're all very proud of you that you're writing and it's going so well. And I said, thank you. And she says, yeah, we were talking about it on the flight over. And it, it's a shame none of us have read any of your books. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> I'm like, well, Thanks, you know. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> well, if I were writing Westerns, my mom would be all over yeah. it, though. So You have that opportunity in this series. That is true. Yeah. That is actually, that is something I have given some thought to is... Uh, um, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but um, <laughs> if the series continues, 
it might be in my best interest to sort of, you know, split certain characters off and start exploring the world more fully. He's a Uh-oh. big Miller and Murphy fan. He loves them. Oh, <laughs> yes. They're my favorite. I, the origin story yeah. <laughs> for the two of them. They are actually uh, physically and uh, their attitudes are based on two guys I knew when I was uh, doing stand-up comedy. But they aren't actually, I mean, those two guys, they know each other and they would describe each other as friendly. But it's not like they hang around with each other. But one is a very, very intense, very craggy, very militaristic kind of. And the other one is just the sweetest, uh, most passive person you, you, you've ever seen in your life. And so, yeah. That's awesome because uh, my dad is a cop, and ah. I figured, uh, and and my my uncle it's it's a honor well an honorary uncle it's one of his best friends. <laughs> they remind me so much of Miller Miller and Murphy. Uh, <gasps> they do. My my oh, dad and my uncle Pete. I love them to death, and I could see those two in this. In uh, this. It's fantastic. That's why you love those characters so much. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Well, good, good. I'm I'm glad some people I made up actually rang true to you. <laughs> it's that's a huge compliment, actually. Thank you. And you said you worked at you worked at Walt Disney World for a while. Yes, I did. Uh, so that explains your description of Florida. Yes, and yes, that is that is from experience. That is a very <laughs> realistic depiction of my attitudes about Florida. <laughs> but, but that's most I. Florida, it's funny. If you think you make fun of Florida, it's nothing compared to the people who live in Florida. They are they are in on their own joke for the most part, which is something I respect about them. But uh yeah, Florida's a weird place. Florida Florida is someone once referred to it as the low point of the country, so anything that's not held down rolls there eventually on its own. <laughs> I think I went. I, I was at a trivia contest once where they one of the the subjects was actual news <laughs> headlines from Florida or like a movie or something. And you had to pick yeah. which one. Yeah, it's a real thing. Yes, it is. It <laughs> is, and you start uh, you start finding yourself getting. When we first moved to Florida, we fly in and we get the rental car that we're going to be using. You know, until we get you know ourselves totally settled in. And we go to a gas station, the first gas station I went to in Florida, and there's a huge long line, and the cashier is behind four-inch thick bulletproof glass, and he's Jeez. just selling hes selling more cigarettes than he is gas. <laughs> and I just thought, what have I gotten myself into here? <laughs> is is this going Amazing. to be the whole experience? But Also, uh, <laughs> towards the end of me living there, I actually, I was living in a town... Uh, a fascinating uh, town near Orlando called Celebration that was originally built by by Disney. It's worth looking into. It's a weird, weird place, but it, it looks like the Truman Show. And uh, oh, oh, cool. I was out for a walk one day, and I see this, I say young lady, she's probably about 15 or 16, and she's just standing there on the sidewalk looking down, and I, I look, and about five feet away from her, there's an alligator. I want to say about six-foot-long alligator, just there, just like, you know, wow. easy throwing distance. And I stop and I stand next door and we're looking at this alligator. And then almost at once we both say, this is really stupid. We should not be standing this close to this alligator. <laughs> <laughs> we both move on. <laughs> but it seemed like the most natural thing in the world at first. It just, oh, look, 
alligators within grabbing distance of us. That's that's interesting. Makes sense. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh jeez. All right, I think I'm next. Yes, ma'am. Um, so, was well, I'm going to add on to this question. Was the book um, originally intended to be an audiobook, and how did you pick Luke Daniels to be the narrator? Because we all really enjoyed the narration and the way he brought the book to life. Uh, getting Luke Daniels was blind luck, and it was one of the best things that happened to me. And so, I mean, writing the book and getting the book deal are the two luckiest things. Luke signing on is a very close third after getting the book deal to begin with. Luke has been absolutely instrumental. I cannot say enough good things about Luke Daniels. And not only is he an extremely talented person, he's just a hell of a nice guy. I've I've been lucky enough to talk to him a few times now, and he's just I, I, I have nothing but good things to say about Luke Daniels, both the work he's done and just him personally. But uh but as far as how I got him, my publishers picked him and it was a brilliant move on their part. But I I did not know who or what to go with and uh they chose well. Yeah, I'd say so. So he kind of depicted what you had in your mind, I guess, like for each character. He, well, he, he, he came up with a good, it's a strange thing. I have what I have in my head, but he's the one who has to perform it. So he has to come up with what he can use to make it something he's able to perform. So I have no problem with the uh, character voices he has come up with, but they were not in, uh, in many cases, what I had in mind. He, he actually pictures Philip as much more of a classic. The voice he does for <laughs> Philip to me is more of a classic wise wizardy kind of voice, yeah. which is I actually, when I am writing Philip, I'm picturing the British comedian, David Mitchell, which I don't know if you're aware at all of his work. I'll, I'll send you a link later. There's a, uh, <laughs> It's not safe for work, but there's a good video from one of his sketch comedy shows called The Mitchell and Webb Look. Uh, just punch in Mitchell and Webb, W-E-B-B, The Linden Tree. And uh, he's uh, he plays the Prime Minister of England. But it's it's I won't get into it. The point is he's a middle-aged, very nasal, very logical, every now and then explodes in rage just at people's stupidity sort of a thing. And <laughs> that's what I was picturing for Philip, but but uh, Luke pictured something different, and what he pictured is great, and I've been nothing but happy with it. But I I just don't feel like it would be productive for me to start trying to micromanage. No, that's not the voice I pictured, and then trying, you know. He's an expert. He knows what he's doing, and I've been very happy with his uh, with his work. We've I've I've said multiple times, and I think several other people had agreed with me. Um, uh, you know, if there was a, a TV version of this, um, we would we would be even if they picked really great actors, if they're not kind of how we hear them, yeah. Luke Daniels say it would be like, well, that's that's obviously not a film like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but and I'm gonna jump in with this question. Um, we we the way we phrased it was uh, so when is Netflix slash HBO starting on the series? <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, don't read too much into this. I am contractually not able to comment on uh, on anything like that. Um, uh, that means there's something to comment. 
Well, not necessarily. <laughs> no. <laughs> hypothetically Wishful speaking. Thinking. Wishful. Hypothetically speaking, the longest, the longest, most dangerous journey on Earth is the journey from a deal with a uh, with a production company to an actual finished pilot for something. And uh, there's uh, a, there's you know there's a deal and there is progress being made, mm-hmm. but I would not expect to see anything. If there were going to be anything to see anytime soon, you'd have heard about it by now. But there is there is reason to hope that something might happen eventually. And as I said, for contractual reasons, I cannot say anything more than that. We'll take it. Boy, we'll that's take completely it. understand. There's in each one of the reviews of these books, there's there's been a point where I'm like, you know, I've enjoyed the book, but this this is what I want to see on screen uh in the last book it was uh the the climatic fight with all of the future versions of the wizards coming back and that epic battle to um um groove is in the heart, in the heart by yeah. i'm like yeah. i would love to see that the scene from um uh, fight and flight that i would just l- absolutely love to see <laughs> is uh, honestly not the fight with the wizards and and Kluge and his gang is I have got to see someone do the scene where uh, Philip and Martin stumble on the guys making up the the quote unquote sexy lady dragon. Uh, I uh, think that would just be hilarious. I was, I was very happy with the sexy lady dragon. (laughs) Uh, The, uh, the fake sexy lady dragon. Oddly enough, two of my favorite things I've written for these books are both just uh, Gary being an idiot. But the uh, <laughs> the fake sexy lady dragon and the conversation about spiders having no bones. Are, yes, uh, <laughs> actually, I'm sorry. That was Tyler who was who yeah. was uh, freaking about it. Every year around Halloween, it's going to happen again anytime now. I get I get pictures sent to me. Uh, Target, I think it is has a Halloween decoration they sell every year that oh. is a skeleton of a spider. Are you... <laughs> <laughs> People send it to That's me. Funny. That's fantastic. That's uh, great. Awesome. See, I, I will say, uh, I fell in love with Tyler when, uh, when uh, for Fight or Flight, uh, him just calling out every issue that he had. Oh, yeah. Hilarious. He was great in that book. <laughs> That's something, uh, me in particular, uh, you know, I don't want to speak for everyone, but... Um, that's something that I've really enjoyed about all of the books because um, we, we get to see – one of the things I've enjoyed is that you have um, – you've kind of taken a few of the characters and kind of really expanded on them in some of the books. So like in certain books, uh, you know, An Unwelcome Quest, we really got to know, uh, you know, the four guys on the quest. I mean mm-hmm. Martin and his group were there, and, you know, we did learn some more. We You know, we got to learn more about Roy and stuff, but we really got to kind of know that that those four guys and um uh, we were even talking we're like is it is it bad that even though he killed an entire town we're kind of like well maybe he's not such a bad guy um he's trying he's trying yeah (laughs) so i mean you know we've we've you know we're coming to to know more and more about these characters and it's not just you know none of them have have stayed a two-dimensional character from the first book like they're all very well-rounded at this point Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's good to hear. And, uh, and tr- I, uh, my goal wasn't to try to, uh, get, uh, get Jimmy to redeem himself because you never really can fully redeem yourself from that. But, but to try to, to show that he's making an attempt to, he knows he'll never truly make up for it, 
but he's making an attempt to at least be a decent person uh, is something I was trying to get get across. And having you all say uh, say he's trying there was was a very nice thing for me to hear. I appreciate that. Did I miss one, Jimin? Go ahead, maybe. <laughs> I ground the conversation think... to a halt there. No, uh, thank you. No. We're all thinking. I think you know I'm next. Well, I was, uh, was going to say, sorry, just about Jimmy, I was going to say that it was it was great to, to, we were talking about it the other day, that it's it feels like this story, even though it's very basic uh, or it's very based on the, the main characters, it feels like there's an overarching story with Jimmy that uh, that you're following along with. And and I do see I've, I've said it from book two that he is trying to redeem himself and it it shows right there's there's redeeming qualities and he even admits like I'm not going to redeem myself perfectly but I'm gonna try and and that shows and I like that so oh, well thank you <laughs> and to uh, to complete a, a thought that I sort of uh, sort of strayed away from there um, Part of the uh, part of the uh, joy of being able to do a series of books like this is that I can go back to characters who were fun in just a couple of scenes and try to expand them out I, without ruining anything. Uh, in uh, book six, which I'm currently working on, you get a lot more Gilbert and Sid than you ever expected. Yes, to, uh... yes, so excited for that. I'm sorry, <laughs> I. I loved them when they first showed up, and anytime they show up, I'm just like, yep, Gilbert and Sid. (laughs) Well, well, hopefully you continue to feel the same way, but... uh, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, no, no, I'm not... Well, lately it's it's been uh, driven home to me that I can't always predict how people are going to react to what I write. So it's possible that you'll end up hating them, but I don't think you will. I, I haven't done anything too drastic with them. It's just, you never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jen, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Next question. Uh, what would you do with... Or now... Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> you dropped off for a second, Jen. Say that again. What would you do with the file if you found it? Or since you have found it, what have you done with it already? The the Everything Martin did from the moment he found it through... <laughs> ending up in Dover is pretty much what I figure I would have ended up doing <laughs> right down to trying not to use it for a couple of days and just staring at his computer with dread. But, uh, but that was literally just me trying to think, okay, what would I do? The, the apartment that he's in is based on the apartment that I first lived in when I moved to Seattle. Uh, the, uh, the job he had is very similar to a job I had at one point. Uh, I literally did at one point have a job where I used to fantasize about getting into a car accident on the way to work. And, uh, well, we've all had those jobs. <laughs> but, you know, like the conversation in the book, you know, you're looking for a broken leg. That's, Aww. you know, that's, that'll get you out of this for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So would you also have gone to the Middle Ages in England? Is your escape route or... That, you pick yeah, I thought about what an escape route would be, and I thought and that was it. Middle mid, medieval England, a cursory uh, Amazon search, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it was dirt while researching the book that I, I realized that uh, English of that time would be different enough that it would essentially be a foreign language. So really, Victorian England then became 
you're you're also going to see a lot more of Victorian England uh, in the next book too. But uh, but I did actually think it out to the extent of medieval England posing as a wizard as a uh, as a uh, an escape hatch. That's great. I feel so, like I I started rambling and uh, talking nonsense. No, 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 no that is not. absorbing it. <laughs> yes. Say into my question or my bonus question, actually, um, the book Martin doesn't read on Amazon. Mm. Uh, the best time to live in medieval England. Yeah. <laughs> have we met the author? Um, you don't have to say if it's a spoiler, but have it's it's not a spoiler. Uh, at some point, you have met the author because at some point they're going to have to have a conversation about well, okay, we need this book to actually exist now, so we can put it for sale on Amazon, so it can lure people to the exact time and place that we want them to. Oh. And it wouldn't surprise me if in some future. Mm-hmm. Some future, uh, actually thinking about it right now, Tyler would almost certainly end up writing the book because Tyler writes stuff anyway. But he would be angry about it because it yeah. wouldn't be something he actually <laughs> wants to write. This is stupid. This makes no sense. Exactly. Why would it? It's just lazy writing. Well, the <laughs> the, the, the author of the book was, was named Gilbert, so I thought maybe it was oh. of Gilbert Sid fame that wrote it. So forgot about that. That was that was not my intention at the time. Um, okay, it's not a bad idea though. Uh, it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if if uh, Tyler ends up writing it and uh, putting Gilbert's name on it to insult him or something. <laughs> I like that. Riddled Maybe. with misspellings and <laughs> giving him so many great ideas here. <laughs> um, what was the hardest book to write? Which was the easiest one to write? Um, of the of the five Magic 2.0 books, huh? That's a tough one, actually. Um, my memory is that uh, that actually, um, I know that six, the one that I'm working on now, I actually ended up going back and rewriting the first three chapters again. Uh, uh, four was uh difficult because i had to keep everything straight when i had them all all uh split up and then reconvene mm-hmm. um yeah they've they've all been a challenge in a different way but probably book five was uh was the most difficult book one oddly enough j- my memory of it now is that it just flowed that's probably not true my poor wife has to put up with me when i'm writing and it's it's a predictable progression from oh i've got the greatest idea i've ever any human being has ever had this is fantastic and then in my head i picture the book being the greatest book ever written and usually about three weeks in I my my tone changes drastically and it start being I I don't know what I'm doing here. I, <laughs> I have I no idea. Into- exactly. I have no idea. Why did I think I could write a book, Missy? Why did I think I could write a book? <laughs> she used so to they- walk, talk you down. I, so I have a theory about why book five might have been the most difficult, and huh? and I've mentioned this in the previous shows, and it's a little maddening to me this time travel and yeah. multiple Brits and. It, it drives me nuts because I just can't wrap yeah. my head around it. And so I'm yeah. thinking maybe that has something to do with. <laughs> Keeping the Brits straight is a problem. And so on book hard. five, there was there were a couple of points on book five where I'm almost done with the book. And then one time in the middle of the night, one time while driving, I'll think, oh, wait a second. 
logically that can't happen. <laughs> and I'll have to end up drawing this ridiculous, crazy person chart that shows the entire timeline from Brit's point of view with big swooping arrows going back and going forward again. Oh, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I would too. Yeah, yeah. But, but on the other hand, I really enjoy writing Brit's dialogue because of that, because it's, it's this weird mother-daughter, grandmother now relationship, but they're all the same person and and they know exactly what buttons to push with each other and how hard to push them and it's it's a lot of fun to write. My favorite Brit moment is when <laughs> you see Brit go back to actually start building and the, <laughs> and the great grand Brit oh, shows yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. The much elder. The much and, much elder, yeah. yeah. And that was a big problem in book five because it, it became this issue of okay, at what point does Brit the Younger know that Brit the Much Elder exists? And it feels to the reader like she's known about Brit the Much Elder since the end of book two. But actually, the end of book two takes place a hundred or so years in the future from where That's we right. are. That's right. So, so she's completely oblivious to the yeah. existence of Brit the Much Elder. So, yeah. yeah, it worked for. Yeah, I liked that part. That was that was good. Well, thank you. <laughs> Got a giggle out of that. <laughs> Mandy, you had a question about uh, grammar. grammar? <laughs> um, I was on your AMA earlier today. Um, I uh -huh. actually used uh, an excerpt from this last book in my English class to teach about adverbs. Oh, oh, is it? yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and there's, I, I saw on the AMA, people have used your comics and presentations and stuff. Um, do you have any teaching experience, or where does this sort of Martin and Philip correct each other a lot for grammar mistakes? I'm just wondering if there's a background there. Uh, not only do I have no, one second, you're going to hear my wife laugh in the distance. Not only do I have no experience in teaching grammar and punctuation. <laughs> I love her already. But as I said, it takes a team of editors to make me seem halfway educated. I am, I am hopeless when it comes to, I am convinced there are actually no rules on the use of the comma. There are no rules. It's just whatever I do, someone will look at it and tell me it's wrong. <laughs> Literally. You'll never convince me that any two people agree on what the comma is supposed to be about. But um, uh, no, I've never been a teacher. I was for a while. The best job I had at Disney World was I was a trainer at, uh, at, at the Tower of Terror. And that was that was the best thing. Not only the best uh, the best thing I did there, but it was the best actual day job I've ever had. But um so a lot of the training of uh of uh Martin uh might have been partially inspired by what it's like to train people how to operate the haunted elevator. But uh but no I've never been a teacher and and grammar and spelling and well spelling I'm not as bad with but grammar and punctuation are a constant source of pain for me. So uh, usually if I write something a about them, A, it's a miracle that it's correct. And B, it's me trying to figure out some way to keep it straight in my own head. In um, I think it's in book five. There's a thing about metaphors and similes that uh, that I can't. Sure. Exactly. I noticed that. Metaphors be with you. 
but uh, yeah. but no, I'm I'm hopeless when it comes to that sort of thing. And the uh, I, it delights me that some people use stuff I've done in classrooms, and it mystifies me <laughs> as well. <laughs> I have to say, I'm I'm glad uh, Lainey, the the young lady that dressed up as Brit, uh, wasn't here now because she she was a, a cast member at Walt Disney uh, World, <laughs> and she would have like literally she would have taken over this conversation, yeah. Yeah. and it would have been an hour of nothing about the books. It would have all been about so what was it like when you were there, and <laughs> so and and I'd have been this? I'd have been right there with her. Oh, uh, that's awesome to hear. Nothing more insufferable than two former cast members. <laughs> oh, it's awful. Especially if they were both in attractions, if they both worked rides. Because it starts being about, oh, yeah, the Omnimover. The problem with the Omnimover. Oh, well, the OHRC is... Uh, yeah, I don't know she, why uh, they bought worked... that roller coaster from Entenmann. I don't know why they did it. Yeah, so. uh, she worked at the uh, uh, dinosaur exhibit in uh, uh, Animal Kingdom. So, uh, yes, yeah. The... The, we've the we've East heard a lot. Coast clone of the Indiana Jones ride system, and the, <laughs> there's yeah, yeah. I could very easily bore all of you to tears talking about Walt Disney. <laughs> oh, she no, believe she would eat it up. And I mean, it's it, we're an eclectic group of of individuals, you know. And uh, um, that's one of the reasons I wanted to start the show because I was like. We need, you know, I, I've been, re I was reading the same things. I got in a really heavy Stephen King kick for a, a long time there. And I was like, I need to find some other things. And we got together. We were like, all right, well, let's start putting out ideas for the books and stuff. And, um, I'm, you know what, honestly, I'm the one that introduced the book series to the group. I'm the one that said, Hey, we should, we should, you know, give this at least the first one a shot and we'll see what we'll go from there. Um, and, um, I'm, I'm trying to think how I even found it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Audible probably recommended it to me from something else that I read, and I was just, I was instantly hooked. I, I read the, you know, I, I read the, the the quick forward on it, and I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. And then I I instantly fell in love with it and told everyone, I was like, hey, we have to read at least the first one. Tell me what you think after that. And then it was, we just kept going. Like it was like, do we really want to do all five in a row? And we're like, yeah, let's go. So um, actually, we, at the you. time, we were just gonna do all four. And then when we heard that the fifth one was coming out, we're like, oh, well, we have to, we have to do it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, and then what's funny is, is uh, I finished book five first and I was about two weeks ahead of everyone else. <laughs> and I was dying uh. to talk to someone. Um, <laughs> and Chris and Ray finished it. And I happened to be at work and I, I'm a campus tech at a high school and uh -huh. it was before school was in and I, I was busy doing stuff, but I could talk and I get a phone call from them and I'm like, why are they calling me during the middle of the day? They're like, we finished the book. And at that point we're like, all right, we got to talk. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, um, I, yeah, I, I just had to, to say that, you know, we've, I've, I've loved these books. Uh, I've listened to them multiple, multiple times. It's one of those things, you know, if I ran out of audible credits and I'm like, well, and I also listen to everything at double speed so I can rip through stuff pretty quickly. Um, I'm like, nope, time to, time to reread these again. So I'll just yeah. rip through them. So. Which I still well, don't understand you. how you well, how you understand Luke uh, when he's. I can I can understand him perfectly fine. So it was Carrie Fisher that I couldn't understand at double speed. I had to slow her down. So uh, anyone else want to throw in else anything? So can I ask? Uh, yeah, can y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I keep I keep breaking up. Sorry. Uh, you said you're working on book six. So do you have a 
like a final number of books or are you just going to keep going as long as the stories are out there? I was I was I was shocked that I got an offer to write books 2 and 3 and then uh uh when uh when 3 was done I rolled right into book 4 and there was a slight hiccup with my publishing so for a while there it looked like book 4 might be the last one. I I have some ideas for some future books. Uh I can't guarantee one way or the other you know, when they would be seen or if they would be seen. But the beauty of uh, part of the beauty of uh, the time we live in is even if no one uh, shows an interest in publishing future books, that doesn't mean I can't write them and publish them myself. Mm -hmm. So it would there's there's good reason to believe that if, you know, if I remain healthy and, you know, have the time on my hands that there will be future books in the series. Right now, I don't have a concrete plan beyond book six, though. So there's still hope for a happy ending for Philip, and <laughs> there is. These, we are talking. <laughs> we are talking about immortals here. They, there's always time well, for a happy thing to happen. So, yeah, there's there's reason for hope. <laughs> I've I've read uh, the the three other books that you've done. Um, Run program, uh, master of ceremony, and the authorities. And I have a feeling at some point on this book club we're gonna read the authorities. Um, I, is there a sequel for that one? Because I'll be honest, after I finished it, I was like, "Wow, I really want more of this," but I also want more magic. So, what do I want him to focus on? So, right now I'm editing the sixth book of uh, of magic, uh, and I'm writing the first draft of an unrelated science fiction book that I just really like the idea of, but it was, I had to uh, decide between uh, writing the science fiction book I'm currently writing or writing a second authorities book. Uh, I fully intend for there to be more authorities books. And again, uh, like, a, like with the first uh, magic 2.0 book, I have one specific sequence of scenes that came to me that I can't believe no one's ever done and the authorities is the uh, appropriate place to do it. So I'll have to write another authorities book just to get this idea out of my head. But, uh, but uh, no, I, I have some ideas for the next authorities book that I'm very excited about. For instance, and I can, I can tell you this idea without, uh, without spoiling much of anything. Did you know that the most successful uh, non-governmental uh, crime scene investigation forensics operation is run by the Target Department Store Corporation. What? Yeah. Wow. They, they started it to investigate <laughs> theft in their stores, and it has actually become so advanced that, that uh, apparently there are, uh, there are um, like law enforcement agencies that, that contracts with them to come in <laughs> and wow. get the forensics guys from Target out here. To uh, to fingerprint the scene. So wow, part so of me that don't mess with Target. <laughs> no, do not. There's they a part of me that's not surprised around. at all because I remember that story coming out. I guess it was a couple of years ago about the young lady that started getting uh, mailers for like uh, baby products, and she's like, "I'm not pregnant," and she <laughs> turned out she was. Like they had tracked her purchases, <laughs> and were like, "Women who start buying this." tend to be pregnant whether they know it or not and what yes uh, like they from her purchases they were able to forecast that i'm done i can't <laughs> yeah like 
Welcome to the dystopian future, my friend. Yes. (laughs) Everyone's worried about Google. Maybe it's Target. Target's just sitting back there like, we don't know. We're safe. We don't have Targets. Oh, well, you know. Uh, No Targets in Canada. Canada. Well, you don't know what Tim Hortons gets up to, though. (laughs) Oh, well. They are listening. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell you, when I spent, before we started recording, I mentioned that I had spent a week of my life in Saskatoon. Yeah. the thing that kept me sane was every day from, uh, I think it was 1 to 2 p.m. in the afternoon, one of your channels would play an episode of SCTV, followed by an episode of The Red Green Show. Yeah! Yes! That was, that was the thing that kept me sane. Uh, <laughs> Red Green has put me, you know, that was my uh, education into uh, self-repair of home, home uh, products mm-hmm. and... I put it to good use, so it's... <laughs> Lots of duct tape holding this house together. <laughs> if she doesn't find you handsome, she might as well find you handy. handy. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> you mentioned that you lived in Seattle, and now and it, it's hitting me. So obviously that's where we get the very clear um, explanation <laughs> of the traffic in Seattle in the authorities, because I was like, that makes sense. I wonder how much research you had to do on it, but I'm guessing not a lot. You just, like, lived it. <laughs> it's... Not only did I live it, I have I have lived out of Seattle for about 10 years now, uh, a little over. Every time I go back, the traffic is worse. Everyone I know who lives in Seattle who has read the authorities has has not only not disagreed with me, they have uh, they have uh, suggested that I maybe didn't uh, didn't didn't go far enough in my description. <laughs> of the traffic. Too nice. <laughs> It is it is horrendous the traffic in Seattle. It is impossible to get anywhere anymore. But you know they built the freeway system there back when they had one major employer, Boeing, and then Microsoft, Amazon, and Starbucks all happened and all set up their their world headquarters in different parts of town. Wow. And now at any given time, everybody is trying to get anywhere other than where they are. That's crazy. That's crazy. But I actually was just talking to someone who drove through downtown Portland, which is something I'm probably going to get into in the next Authorities book. Because Portland, uh, Seattle traffic makes me murderously angry. Portland traffic terrifies me. Because it is also bumper to bumper, but they continue to drive at 70. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. that, that sounds like Toronto. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like something out of, out of Tron. It really is. It's, wow. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's horrendous. <laughs> Go see the Wachowskis version of Speed Racer, and that is driving through <laughs> Portland at night. Wow. <laughs> anyway, I digress. I, I got to stop talking about traffic. Uh, just, uh, I wanted to touch on Saskatch- Saskatchewan one quick time. Uh, what time of year did you happen to stay in that area? Yeah. It was... I was lucky it was summer. Ah. Okay. <laughs> However, uh, it was back when I was doing stand-up comedy, and uh, we ended up, we, we spent several days in Saskatoon. Then we played a town called Flin Flon, Manitoba, which... Yep, Flin Flon. <laughs> Flin Flon. Yeah, it was the only time I ever ever did comedy someplace that literally the instructions were, uh, when the road turns to gravel, you're on the right track, continue driving for three more hours. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. That's, that makes sense. That's about right. <laughs> It was amazing. (laughs) 
So is uh, any of your stand-up online anywhere that we could see? Or No, I have systematically destroyed any evidence, <laughs> any evidence of my stand-up comedy career. I, I'm proud of my time as a stand-up comedian, but at this point, the material would all be horribly dated. It's all, you know, this we're talking about the 90s that uh-huh. this happened. So if you want some jokes about Eddie Vedder and the Star Wars prequels, uh, I would, <laughs> I'm your man. But... Uh, I'm Other than that, it's I, I'm much happier with having my comic strip and my books uh, speak for me instead of my stand-up material. Which, speaking of your comic strip, how did how did that come about? Well, I was uh, I was doing stand-up comedy, and uh, the internet. This is how old I am. The internet was just becoming a mainstream thing, and uh, and uh, I was one of the first comedians in Seattle to have a website. And I used to have to argue with them. No, you should all have websites. It's a <laughs> it's a promo packet that people already have in their home, and you can put video on there. And I have to explain to them about real player and, and that sort of thing. But uh, but I was trying to think of some way to draw people to my website, and um, and uh, I, I came up with this idea for a web comic where I give people instructions for how to do things they don't need instructions for how to do. Did three or four of them, enjoyed it, but, you know, it, 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 I didn't see too huge of a future in it. Then uh, I sort of got got sick of the stand-up comedy lifestyle, got a day job, did that for a couple of years and started to really miss having a creative outlet. And I thought, well, why not relaunch the comic strip? Did that. I was lucky. It went well. I ended up getting published in a couple of weekly alternative newspapers and, uh, had a few lucky breaks there, and I uh, built up a following. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Oh, to uh, to go back to a question that I didn't fully answer about 10 minutes ago, uh, the hardest book of the magic books to write was book five. The hardest book I've written was Master of Formalities because I had to create an entire universe. The, the idea of Master of Formalities was Downton Abbey, but set in the Dune universe. Oh, and and no, oh sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, but I couldn't actually set it in the Dune universe. Obviously, I had to make up my own universe, which means I had to make up a universe. And it turns out that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Unless you're George Lucas, in which case you start with it and then you let other people expand. So. Uh, so uh, that this is the second, you know, I didn't think about that being set like in a in the Dune universe, but uh, the the wedding at the end of book five, um, I mean, a lot of us have seen Dune. Uh, it sounds like you're a pretty big fan of it. <laughs> I I I am. Um, the 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 movie Dune, it's it's. I can't really claim I love it, but I can't claim to like it. If that makes any sense, uh, I, I describe the movie Dune as a fantastic cast and a brilliant director getting together with a huge budget to all work together to make a terrible mistake. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I mean, 
I, it, I enjoy it. It puts a smile on my face every time I watch it. But this is a film where it's like, okay, we're going to have you up in a harness going around a cloud of steam and laughing for no reason. You over there, you're remote controlling him. You're flying your boss around like he's a remote control drone. Then Sting <laughs> comes in in the Speedo. Okay. <laughs> I've got this all storyboarded out. This is how we're doing it. Yeah, so. <laughs> So it's it's endlessly enjoyable for me, but I don't I can't claim it's a good movie. Also, uh, I was I grew up in the Yakima Valley of Eastern Washington State. Kyle McLaughlin is from Yakima, so when the uh, when the movie was first coming out, all we heard about for like three weeks was, oh yeah, Dune's gonna come out and it's gonna be better than Star Wars and Kyle MacLachlan's gonna be the biggest movie star in the world. Oh, and that'll no. put Yakima on the map by Cracky. And <laughs> oh, yeah, that, did, that, that didn't happen, happen. no. Nothing but a fan of Kyle MacLachlan, but that did not happen. No. <laughs> well, did anyone have anything else that they wanted to, to, to throw out there? Should we should we uh, right. read Dune on the book club? Do what? Should we read Dune for the book club? I ooh I I mean listen, it's a beloved book and there's a <laughs> lot to unpack from it. But uh, my uh yeah I, I again I really like it, but I can't claim that I think everyone who reads it will like it. There's a whole lot of detail about tea services and arboretums, and you know, it's 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 a strange book. I enjoy it, but it is a strange book. I, I definitely, it's worth reading the first one, uh, and it would be fascinating to hear your reactions to the first one. Hmm. But it's a very long book, and it's a very weird book. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. No. no. <laughs> You're going to say something? Oh, well, I'm sure you get this question a lot, but do you have any advice to um, aspiring authors? I, um, there's never been a better time to, to write if your goal is to write something, get it out in front of people, and have a national audience have access to your work. There's never been a worse time to be an author if your goal is to make a living being an author. <laughs> okay. I, I have been phenomenally lucky and uh, don't think that I don't wake up every morning and at some point in the first hour of my day realize that I've essentially won a series of four lotteries in a row here. But uh, the file. <laughs> this is all just a cover. He's just, he's just depositing the money in his account. You know. <laughs> this this would be a terrible way to be low profile. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> Jimmy wasn't low profile. Right. Well, oh, yeah, well. True. Um but no, there's there's that. It's there's never been a better time if your goal is to get your uh, your ideas out in front of someone. Uh, second thing, uh, I have had more than one person I know personally come to me and tell me, you know, I how do I do this? I, I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always felt I should be a writer. And the first question I always ask them is, "What are you writing right now?" And invariably, the answer I get is, "Oh, I'm not writing anything right now." And uh, and the few times that they have been writing something, I say, okay, who are you showing what you're writing? The response is then, oh, I can't, I can't show anyone what I'm writing. And 
listen, I understand. I was in the same boat. I wrote two, I tried to write two novels uh, that did not end up getting finished and that I don't want anyone to ever see. But if, if you want to be a writer, you have to keep writing and you have to at some point show people what you write. And my webcomic forced me to write things on a regular basis and put it out there where people could react to it and I could get people's reaction. And it was acutely painful. It was not always a pleasant experience, but it got me into the habit of writing on a regular basis and getting people's feedback taught me a lot about what I was doing. So I would probably suggest, you know, starting a blog is certainly not a one way ticket to easy street these days, but a blog would be a good way to, uh, to get your, uh, to get ideas out there on a regular basis. Thank you. Oh, no problem. And again, <laughs> I'm rambling and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, good no. Stuff. This is wonderful. Thank you. How, how do you, sorry. And I, I know that we're probably getting long in the, in the conversation here. Just how did you get over your, like, did you have any fears of putting it out there? Did, uh, how did you get over that and overcome anything that, uh, that you found struggled to, to get your first book out? I was, I was tremendously lucky that when I was a teenager, I was enough of a megalomaniac to decide that stand-up comedy was was my ticket to to uh, to uh, to a uh, life of adventure and excitement. And the thing about and because of that, I I let my mouth write a lot of checks that my butt then had to cash. <laughs> and the only way to go into stand-up comedy is to literally walk into a bar full of people you don't know, get up on a stage and start talking and and doing that got me over my initial fear of uh you know once you've had a total stranger stand up and start shouting obscenities at you people's <laughs> criticism of your comic strip begins to uh <laughs> you know yeah people okay so someone didn't like my comic strip compare this to the time a guy tried to wrestle the microphone out of my hands well wow. this is better so, yeah. A step in the right direction. Yeah. What What is the name of your comic strip? I don't know if we mentioned it. That, that was a weird glitch in that you turned yeah. into a Cylon for a second, but we could still understand what you said. Yeah. It was I like have a bad getting... connection tonight, apparently. <laughs> It was like the uh, it was like the wormhole sequence in Star Trek the Star Trek the motion picture. It was, oh, yeah. Fire torpedo. <laughs> uh, the the comic strip is called Basic Instructions. The web address is basicinstructions.net. I haven't done a uh, a fresh comic in a few years, but I did start rerunning all of the comics in order with a commentary attached to them when okay. I stopped. So it is if you were to go to the to the comic strip and to the web address and like it, it would simulate the experience of a new comic strip still being made because all the comics would be new to you. But, uh, but yeah, basicinstructions.net. So if you've been, your commentary, is it your current thoughts on what you originally did in the comic or just kind of expanding on, or just a little of everything? A little of everything. Basically anything that, uh, that, uh, comes to mind now when I read the comic. Sometimes it's uh, it's expanding on the idea that's in the comic. Sometimes it's just talking about, you know, what I think went well and didn't go well in that particular comic. 
Very cool. Uh, did anyone have anyone else, anything else they wanted to ask? Can you stress again the importance of a good editor? Oh, <laughs> I really, I cannot over-exaggerate. Coming from a freelance would, editor. Uh-huh. Absolutely. There was, there was a situation, um, the uh, books uh, th- 4, 5, and 6 in uh, the uh, Magic 2.0 series are Audible exclusives for the first six months. And there was a situation where part of book book five actually got sent to Luke before they had been seen by an editor. And then I looked at it and like I had repeated a word in the first two sentences of the book three times. And there was, there were spell, there were grammar problems and I was mortified and he ended up having to re-record part of it. It's just, if, Mm. if you do, if anyone listening to the sound of my voice (laughs) does self-publish a book please learn from my mistake and spend the money on at least a proofreader uh, a developmental editor would be even even better if you could do both but if you can only do one have it proofread and don't try and this is no criticism of any of my friends i had two or three friends who were like well i'm a stickler for punctuation let me read it it's not the same uh professional editors have tools and tricks they use to keep their brains from turning into jelly after reading your work for four straight hours. And I don't even see my own, my own grammar and, and punctuation problems. I become completely blind to them. I can stare at a problem for an hour and not see it. And then someone points it out to me and I'm like, well, it's the most obvious thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, an editor is key. Thank you. Um, I just have one more question. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry. No, there's. I am not in any rush. I'm enjoying this. So if you have <laughs> well, questions, I, w- I was just gonna say, other than book six coming out sometime in the sort of near future, is there anything else you're working on that you want to talk about or promote or anything we should look forward to from you? Well, book six is an Audible exclusive at the moment. Oh, I'm sorry. Book five is an Audible exclusive at a moment. That's uh, out of spite, out of mind which is actually one of the few times I came up with the title before I came up with the entire plot of the book. (laughs) Usually I'm struggling to come up with a title long after I wrote the book. Mm. Um, Off to be the wizard did not have that title on it until after I had signed a, uh, until after I had, uh, uh, you know, started the whole publishing process, the the self publishing process. But uh, um, so anyway, that book out of spite, out of mind will be coming out in paper and on Kindle in December. And um, then we expect book six, which is uh, currently uh, called The Vexed Generation. That is uh, coming out. Um, Well, book five was a bit of a cliffhanger. So no huge surprise there to anyone who's read book five. Um, That should be coming out sometime early to mid next year. Uh, I have a book that's being uh, shopped around to various publishers right now that I'm very excited about, but I can't really say much about. And like I said, I have a science fiction thing that I'm uh, currently writing. Awesome. That's exciting. That's exciting. You heard it here first, folks. And then, of course, (laughs) the second book for the authorities, which he's already promised he's going to do at some point. So, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I have to have more of those characters. I love those characters. Y'all are going to love it when we end up reading it, too. So, and the TV show that's not happening. Right. (laughs) Wink, wink, wink. Yeah. May or may not be some sort of dramatization of something at a future point. Gotcha. 
I can neither confirm nor deny. Exactly. Uh, well, thank you, thank you, thank you again for for coming on. Um, I, I will say, you know, now that we've got the interview in the bag, uh, <laughs> it was it was part of our plan that we're like, if we cosplay these characters, I wonder if we could we can maybe get to him and <laughs> and get an interview, and the plan worked. And but that being said, like we loved being these characters, we had a blast uh, dressing up as them, and and as you can tell, we all had. Uh, a lot of feelings during these books, especially the fifth one. But, um, yeah, we 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 really enjoyed these books. And uh, of course, as soon as we get done with book six, we'll of course rip through that immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, at some point here in the near future, um, I, in fact, I iterate. We were talking at the end of our last episode. It was like, well, what what should we read for our next book? And I was like, well, there's the authorities, and Luke Daniels also narrates <laughs> that one, so. Um, which is interesting hearing some of the character, they sound a lot like the same characters he used for, you know, the magic series being kind of repurposed a little bit. So, um, but yeah, that was, I've, I've really enjoyed your writing and I'm, I don't, like I said, I'm not 100% sure how I found off to be the wizard, but I am so glad I did. Well, thank you. That's, that's excellent to hear. And, uh, as as far as as uh, Luke's voice, Luke has done something like four hundred books. So, frankly, wow. it's a miracle uh, how many voices he has come up with, and it's it's not a surprise to me that some of them sound somewhat similar. I have no idea how he does what he does. Um, I feel like I had another point I was going to make uh, based on what you said. Oh, uh, the uh, the cosplaying as my characters. Well done. Uh, mission accomplished. Diabolical of you. Uh, <laughs> but absolutely, that's, uh, that is what got my attention, and uh, that is what got us talking, so well done. Well, thank you. Uh, the Lainey's mom is the one who did the sewing on uh, the robes and everything, so I, I, this was the first foam prop I've ever done, so I was like, I'm, I'm going to make Philip Staff. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, I did the Fiero shirt. I was trying to... I was, like, made like, a oh, lot of inappropriate jokes oh yes we completely <laughs> broke that. Broke you, you made the, the obvious, obvious joke yep. oh. see, see if you had told me that i would not have done this podcast <laughs> making the obvious when I, you know <laughs> oh wait oh man she's silent again um <laughs> Obey that order. <laughs> Any tips for Roy? Uh, a Roy uh, cosplay? Maybe we can get that one for book six. Roy, actually, in its way, would be the easiest because Roy's a uh, Roy's costume is a trench coat and a fedora with like a wizard hat top and a bridge queue. I mean, it seems like a a trip to the Canadian equivalent of Goodwill. Yep. Would probably, uh... That's the plan. <laughs> yep. You got this. Yeah, I noticed no one's uh, volunteering to try to uh, make the uh, investment in sequins necessary to do Martin's role. <laughs> what was funny was there was a table sit next to us, and it was one of the local libraries that was there. They were they were actually giving out books, and their their uh, uh, tablecloth was the silver sequin and i'm like it's like someone took his his robe and like skin demon like <laughs> literally his robe is sitting right next to us i wanted to grab it and just throw it on <laughs> uh. 
but yeah, I, I, yeah, we, we had a blast doing it and, uh, had the Canadians been down here, we probably would have had even more characters to cosplay. So yeah, yeah, we would have, we would have figured it out. So, um, well, like I said, thank you. Thank you again for, for joining us for this interview. Uh, it's, it's been a blast having you. Uh, and uh, you know, if you wouldn't mind after we read book six, we'd love to have you back and maybe discuss our final thoughts or I've, I've had a great time and yeah absolutely just let me know very cool very cool yeah, if, oh, I, if awesome. I can i will do it oh yeah that would be that would be awesome that would be totally awesome um we're just gonna go ahead and wrap up real quick uh we did decide on what our next book is going to be our next book we are going to skip this month because school's back in and we're all we're tired and we need to catch up but our our next book that we'll be reading probably for october is going to be astrophysics for people uh in a hurry by neil degrasse tyson so if you're following along with the show, that's the next book we're reading. So then we'll give our review of that. So uh, as always, you can find us at epicallygeeky.com. Uh, you can find us on uh, all the social media at epicallygeeky on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. Uh, where can we find you online, Mr. Meyer? Uh, basicinstructions.net. And uh, I believe I have a Facebook. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know I have a Facebook. I'm uh, I, I hate Facebook. Can I just be honest with you? It's like it's like we, we finally got rid of AOL and then we all <laughs> voluntarily went back to it. It, it offends me on a, on a deep personal level. But uh, but one second, let me ask my wife, who actually understands Facebook, where would people find me on Facebook? It's a great question. See. <laughs> ah. Uh, Octavia the Wizard is facebook.com slash OTBTW. So facebook.com slash OBTBW. Okay. Scott Meyer is uh, facebook.com slash author Scott Meyer. I don't know how well you heard her, but we I heard her. We got it. Okay. <laughs> We got it, and I'll I'll definitely put links in the in the show notes and everything so that people can come find your your awesome awesome book series. So, oh, uh, Jennifer, where can we find you online? Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Het's Gonna Be Me, and of course, Epically Geeky, um, soon to be Sustainably Geeky podcast. <laughs> where that does come out, we will get it there. We're gonna get it there. We're Ray and Chris, it. yeah, Ray and Chris, where can we find you? Uh, so you uh, you can find me at Lake Life Artist on Instagram, uh, obviously up with Geeky Geeky, and here at Marginally Geeky, and uh, Instagram at Cedar Birch Cottage. We're almost done with the kids' rooms, so that's Yay. exciting, and they're happy about that. Uh, Marginally Geeky, Epically Geeky, and soon Sustainably Geeky. <laughs> and Mandy, where can we find you? Mandy Joe Shelton on Twitter, and Clover Press Books is my publishing slash editing business um that's on instagram very cool get an editor, <laughs> an editor. <laughs> we know one. learn from my mistakes <laughs> and as always you can follow my individual wacky adventure online at optimus gene on facebook instagram and twitter for everyone on the site have a good night
This has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 